Welcome to The Stanza, a show for investors and entrepreneurs in the creative industries. I'm your host, Nadine Cho, and I'll be sharing stories of unique people creating their own paths. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today's guests are Jade Begellin and Sabrina Sade, the co-founders of 4AM Skin, a New York City-based skincare brand. Sabrina left med school and Jade quit her Wall Street career to pursue building 4AM Skin, and they've been absolutely crushing it as a young brand. Something I really admire about Jade and Sabrina is their willingness to roll up their sleeves, be resourceful, and get things done. We chatted about being public founders on social media, having products go viral and selling out on TikTok, and thoughts about building a community that cares about your brand. If you're building in the DTC space, you're going to learn a lot from this episode. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the founders of 4AM Skin, Jade and Sabrina. I'm so excited to have you guys on today. I'm excited as well. Thank you for having us. We are super pumped. So let's start from the very beginning. How did you guys start 4AM Skin and like what's the what's the founding story behind the brand? Yeah, so I was always really interested in skincare. I had horrible, horrible acne as a teenager, which was one, very embarrassing, but two, led me to really dive into the science behind skincare. Uh, Jade and I both went to Georgetown for undergrad, which is where we met, but I was pre-met there because I wanted to be a dermatologist, study dermatology, but I was also that really annoying friend on Instagram that would be like, everyone needs to wear a sunscreen and everyone needs a vitamin C serum. And this is all the stuff you need in the 10-step Korean skincare routine. So naturally, all my friends came to me and were like, okay, Sabs, like build me a routine. Like, what should I do? Um, And it wasn't really until a conversation between like Jade and myself that we both were like, wait, 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 wait. Skincare is becoming way too complicated. This is crazy. We need to pare it back. And it was really the genesis of like what 4am came to be. And I'll let Jade kind of give her background and it ties into the whole 4am thing. Serena and I met in college at Georgetown, but I was actually two years ahead of her. Um, and I went on to move to New York. I worked as a trader at J.P. Morgan. Um, and I think there was when I realized I was like, I'd, n- I'd never really cared about skincare. But I think I was like working myself very hard and also very much had like a work hard, play hard mentality. So I could see the skin was not skinning. It just was not looking good. And so I kind of went to Sabrina like, okay. I'm ready to invest in my skincare. What should I be using? Like, I, I don't care how much it costs. Like, just give me the best. She gave me this, like, 10-step Korean skincare routine. I'm sure it was amazing. I just knew I wasn't actually going to do it. Um, and that's when we realized that there was definitely this white space in the market where, especially when it comes to skincare as a space generally luxury means more steps more complicated um, and that felt backwards from the perspective of a consumer so wanted to make something that made all-in-one products feel cool um, and and were research back and that you could feel good about and actually worked so and that was really like the genesis of 4am i really like how you guys have this going against the grain philosophy like what you said about the 10-step skin thing i'm korean and i've been wearing sunscreen like spf 50 since i was 12 
love it. I think a big thing too for both of us was that when we were walking down a Sephora or an Ulta skincare aisle, we didn't see ourselves necessarily represented in the brands that we were shopping for. It was very green and clean and you had to do Pilates every day at 6 a.m. And personally, you know, even though I I ended up going to medical school at Georgetown and I was studying a lot, but I was also partying a lot and having a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. And I think we really wanted to capture this essence of you can have your guilty pleasures. You can be a little lazy. You can hustle if you want, but we're not really going to judge you when it comes to wellness and personal care and skincare. We're just going to provide you easy solutions that fit within your lifestyle. And we felt that there was so much judgment when it came to like the skincare industry. And that's really how we're trying to go against the grain of the industry is saying, you know, you don't have to be good all the time to have good skin. You can have your bad habits. You know, you can have your cake and eat it too. I love that so much because like I resonate so much with Jade's story because when I was an analyst, my skin looked so bad. Not that it was like, I didn't break out, but I just looked yeah. like dead inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just kind of have that like dead inside yeah. look and like a little gray, a <laughs> little gray. Like my mom be like, are you, are you good? <laughs> And like, also, you know, I, I do get that. I mean, that whole ethos, like, especially from like the millennial D to C era of green and clean and Pilates, like that also just is not me. You know, I, I go to Ibiza every year and occasionally I'll have a cigarette after dinner, but you know, like, doesn't mean that you need to have, you know, you need to be like this or that. And that's what I absolutely love about 4am skin. Thank you. Let's go into your founder journeys because something that really struck me, especially Jade on TikTok, is just like how brutally honest you are (laughs) on TikTok. And I want to know more on where you got the confidence. I mean, the both of you, like like Sabrina has a huge following on Instagram, like where you guys got the confidence to be so authentic online. Because from my perspective, I'm a few years older than you guys. And my perspective, especially coming from finance, has been always be as low-key online you don't want your your employers to find out this or that and that still carries over like in my mentality now where I'm like okay I I don't want someone who I might potentially do business with to see what I really am up to not that I'm up to anything bad but it's just yeah I'm like curious as your your thoughts behind like being authentic online I think for I think for me it's definitely something I'm even working on I think like TikTok has been a medium for me. I think honestly, I wish it was, I could say, oh, I knew that I've always been confident in being yourself online and whatnot. What I've always thought is that I think TikTok as a new platform felt like something I could just didn't have all my friends on it as much as now all my friends have seen those videos so I just kind of like mentally ignore that but I think for me like I never even really started posting online like all my socials were private pretty much up until um, the launch of the brand and then I think so many people kind of resonate with seeing founders and I think as a result of us like not wanting to spend like millions of dollars on Facebook ads but we like we had to be about a bit scrappier about how we're finding our customers so it seemed to me like the easiest way to find customers was to have me talking about it um and so I think really it came from a necessity at least from my perspective yeah it's interesting that you talked about like finance and and people not wanting to do or are you worried about people not wanting to do work with you as well because of social media? That's the same sentiment in medicine where a lot of my classmates are like, oh, I'm not even going to post a bikini photo because, you know, this attending or someone is going to think that 
you know, I'm putting myself out there too much and I don't know, they'll get judged. And since high school, I put myself on the internet and I've realized that I can build a community through Instagram. I actually, in high school, did a lot of photography. That's how I built my Instagram at the beginning. It's like, sounds weird, but I had like internet friends. Like I would find kids to like take photos with and, and like go around DC and, and like, and do, I had like my photography Instagram friends. It was like super weird at the time, but it's okay. Um, but I realized from the beginning of that journey is like, okay, like you can find your niche of people on the internet that you like and resonate with and resonate with what you're doing. And it can be a means of promoting yourself or what you're doing and kind of whatever angle that you go into, it helps to have a following. It helps for people to be invested in, in what you're doing and in your life. And I think, I'm intentional about what I put on my Instagram and Mm -hmm. definitely like my whole, I've never talked about like my dating life, for example, Mm -hmm. like on Instagram Mm -hmm. or something like that, like, or family stuff like that. I keep very private, but people still think that I'm putting everything out there because I'll sometimes put like random thoughts on the internet or like complain about school or like something like that. So there is a bit more of like a strategy to like what I want to keep private and not. And I think you are able to do that if you curate it in a certain way. But I've always just thought from the beginning that, okay, and whatever I do, it's going to help to have a social following. So like I might as well do it because like Jade said, it's it's free eyeballs and it's like people who really are invested in like whatever you're, you're doing. What's your guys' view on parasocial relationships? I mean, I think... I think it's really cool and I definitely haven't, I feel like personally, I've, I don't feel like I'm at the level where it's gotten bad. Someone recently asked me like whether negative comments like get to me and whatnot or like how much I read like the comments on. You love mm-hmm. your negative comments though. Like, you yeah, I was going to say yeah. like Jade thrives on, th- yeah, on trolls. Yeah, yeah. I think I. <laughs> Jade's like, let me let them fight in the comments together so they <laughs> yeah, boost my video. Yeah. I yeah. think for me. I'm like delete, 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 delete. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I'll read, I'll read every single comment. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, And I also, I think I've been lucky in that. I think the majority of my comments are positive. I don't know. I have yet to see how I would handle it if they were negative. Like I think I had one video like two years like a year ago that had a bunch of negative comments but it was like it was about it was me kind of shitting on not shitting but I was just saying like you can we can all tell the dress that you got on Amazon is from Amazon like it's 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 not like this crazy like you're not really fooling people and I buy clothes off of Amazon, which even though I have a rule, I try not to. But I only buy basics. I'm not doing, like, I feel like everyone has, like, the dupes of, like, the rat and boa that, like, don't look real at all yeah. from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people were being, like, you're classist. Like, everyone was defending <laughs> Amazon and, like, Jeff Bezos. And I was, like, okay, it it actually, it, like, it is a distraction for sure, thinking about negative comments. But I think as long as it's something where I can stand by my opinion, like I'll do it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how it would handle if, if something that I truly did say that was negative or that I didn't stand behind people were for attacking me for. Cause like that would make me feel like, I don't know how I would handle that. Um, but I think, I think now I'm, I've always been surprised with how connected people can feel to you from TikTok or the internet. And it is true. Like, you do know so much about 
least people. Like, I have had people come up to me and be like, oh, my God, like, how's the new apartment? Like, how's the couch? I saw the couch just got (laughs) delivered. Like, (laughs) so it is funny. Well, it's so funny because I think, Jade, you're very vocal on TikTok, but you're not as vocal in person to people. Like, uh, you don't feel the need to, like, fill a space with with words, which I sometimes do. And so I over talk sometimes. And it's very different where, like, I have a more, like, moody Instagram where I'm very, like, try to be aesthetic and vibey and mysterious. And Jade talks a lot on TikTok. And so when people meet us in person, I feel like it's flipped. So a lot of people have come up to me and been like, does Jade hate me? And I'm like, (laughs) no, no, I promise. Like, she really doesn't hate you. Like, she just doesn't, like, she's just tall and looks like a model and doesn't speak a lot, like, in person. And so it's it's just so funny how people really think that they do know you online and your online personality can be so different than like an in-person personality. And I just always find that like so hysterical. Oh my God, that's yeah. so funny. Something that I've noticed that Jade does really well is say things like, like you have your series, your like cult mm-hmm. series, right? I always think whenever I post any type of content like that, it's not exactly self-help. I don't know what what to categorize it up as, you know, like- life advice whatever and something that I've noticed that kind of freaks me out a little bit is how young young girls will dm you and be like I I, like I have this problem like can you give me advice I heard you talking about on tiktok and that that is what just happened yeah like that is really what freaks me out because it's like you don't know who is really dming you you know you don't know what they're what they're going to do and how they're going to interpret whatever you say yeah, no, I think it's just, yeah, Jade and I have gotten a few voice notes recently from some people yeah, and we're like, notes. I don't know what to, I love you. You're like, you're so kind. And I'm really, it makes me feel good that they like trust me, but I also don't know like what to give back to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It's hard to know what, like what's too much, what's an overstep and yeah. creating the boundaries. Yeah. And I also think I see, especially if I'm on live, I think. I think the people who watch lives are generally younger. I, like, I don't know anyone mm-hmm. our age who really watches lives, but I think when I'm on live, I have, like, a lot of young girls who are, like, I love, like, I like your advice on this or whatever. Like, and I, it is a bit concerning because I, I think, I think I, I, like, I stand by all of my advice, but it's definitely harsh and maybe not always nuanced. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing as well because it's, like, I refrain from even giving life advice or that type of content anymore because I'm like I feel like people won't understand my my brutal honesty <laughs> actually it's like and good sometimes it's a little bit sarcastic <laughs> yeah. sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah. people don't understand where the line is so well let's jump into more about building 4am skin as a very public founder duo do you guys feel like there's a bit of a spotlight on you? You have to do things in a in a certain way because you do have eyeballs on you as founders. I think it's good that our brand aligns so clearly with who we are. And so the brand is really an extension of us. So it's not like we have to think about, oh, is this brand friendly? Because the brand is, we may build the brand to be so aligned with who we are that's sort of I think the magic of it um because I can imagine I see a lot of brands like hire creators full-time even to like run their socials Mm -hmm. and I can see that running into an issue because it's like then your persona has to if if they are if they become so intertwined but I think weirdly enough I actually sometimes feel like I'm like, I don't want to do any wellness things, even though I sometimes do wellness things because like 
our brand is so anti wellness vibes. Yeah. And that, like, that's funny to Yeah, me. like, when I drink a green juice, I'm like, do I put this on my story? <laughs> like, I'm off brand yeah. today. It's crazy. I've been, like, on a sauna cold plunge kick, like, biohacking, and I'm like, is this brand aligned for us? I should be, like, drinking and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> uh, but, no, I think it's so true. Like, someone earlier today actually asked me about that, too, of, like, how do you guys like throw parties as a brand? Like what is the whole like vibe around it and whatever. And I was, and I was just telling them or like they were telling me, how do you do it? What's your secret sauce? And I was just like, well, our brand is a party brand. Our brand Mm -hmm. is this anti-wellness brand. Our brand is the brand that's going to cheers you on a Friday night of glass, like have a glass of wine with you or like smoke a cigarette outside a club with you. Like, and I I don't know how to tell someone to replicate that without them making 4am again, basically. And so I think it's, like Jade said, it's helpful that we really do authentically live the brand as people. And that's why we built it was because it was, we were really the target audience and consumer Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was something that we hadn't seen in skincare. And so it's, it's definitely helpful that I'm allowed quote unquote to post a picture of me with a cigarette in my hand, even though I have uh, business mentors and investors that follow my Instagram. How long did it take for you guys to get to product market fit or get to the point where you realized, you know, this is like a real business and it's a real company with a huge future? I mean, every day we're testing product market fit, right? And figuring (laughs) out and figuring out how to how to grow. Um, But I think it was really the summer was when we saw it be like, okay, this is a real thing. We 60X our business this summer. We launched in Revolve yeah. and Urban Outfitters. And we were in an incubator with the beauty brand Tower 28 and actually won uh, their incubator. I like, saw. Congrats. Prize. Thank you. And it was something that it was always at the beginning on the sides of Jade and my desk. Like I was in medical school. Jade was at her full-time job. And we were just catching knives when it came to the business. And there were so many people that were coming to us like uh, to do events and to do different uh, PR packages and, and series and new products and new pop-ups with them. But it, it felt, and I, and I think even though it was real, it felt like it wasn't because we w- didn't really have a real strategy around the brand because it mm-hmm. was so okay, like on a Friday night, I'm working to try to get this partnership or this collaboration together. And you weren't really able to like strategically think about, okay, does this align? I mean, they all align, thank God. But you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, we're like sprinting to get something done. And I think it wasn't until we became full time a couple months ago where we were like, okay, now let's actually try to get this thing to a place that we see the growth. And then when the growth happened, we were like, okay, cool. This is great. This was a a good leap of faith because the first the first two months I was like was this the right decision yeah. Jade like we'd look at each other <laughs> yeah. in the WeWork and be like oh no well you guys had that TikTok shop sellout yeah. happen which was like honestly insane and like it's it was so cool to see because I remember when you guys were still at your jobs and I remember when Jade was posting about like yeah. quitting and you guys like going in full time like it, it's it all happened so fast so do you think that the TikTok shop sellout thing, like, were you guys prepared? Because it, it just, it kind of all happened like that. No, we were, <laughs> we're <not> still, <laughs> like, we're still, no. we're still unprepared. unprepared. Um, and I think we're trying, yeah, we're trying. And, but I think having the, like, one of the reasons we launched the under eye masks was because we knew that we have a um large tiktok audience and we wanted to have a lower price point item 
for as like an entryway into the brand and that's what happened to go viral so like if you think about it at some point like all of all of the steps do build into something and there's so many things where I know if we hadn't done this even though it kind of maybe seemed like a waste of time at the beginning it all sort Mm -hmm. of bubbles up and kind of hits this like breaking point of helping of whether it was TikTok shop or whether it was whatever it may be um I think same thing for like Urban it had been a long kind of process of being in the works with them and similarly like Revolve was that was because I'd worked with them as an influencer so like had I probably not like had I not done TikTok like that wouldn't have happened so even though it's not like super related I think it's kind of funny where you take a step back and you're like wow all the things do kind of actually connect (laughs) and like Mm. right like there's not one single silver bullet for the business it's uh, everything ends up you know compounding and making it to something eventually and then one thing will make it pop and you you, a lot of people will attribute it to maybe that one thing but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's all the steps that it took before in order for Jade to test you know years of content on TikTok and figure out, okay, this is what can go viral. This is how you can do a video that will convert. Yeah. Being an early adopter to the platforms, knowing that if we are the first ones on it, then, you know, they'll push us more because they're just, there's not much to push, right? It's like kind of when Amazon first launched and if you were just any brand in that category or Facebook ads, right? It's this Mm -hmm. like new age of the the gold rush of marketing. I saw some like tweet about that the other day that TikTok shop seems to be a gold rush for a lot of people. And we're definitely lucky that we know and are familiar with the platform and are definitely trying to be early adopters to whatever we see is new because even adopting TikTok in general, you know, was so helpful for our brand. So really trying to figure out just what's the new place to find people. From my perspective, it looks like you guys did everything right. You know, like getting on these social platforms early, finance, med school, staying in the job until you hit some kind of traction. So I want to know what are some mistakes that you wish you didn't make? I wish we talked about the brand before we launched a little bit more especially on TikTok. I think people put a lot of emphasis on wanting to, I think it's, I I hear this from like new founders all the time. They're like, oh, our launch is next week. Like we're doing all this stuff at its launch. People put so much pressure on launches where, especially if you're like starting from zero, like less so a product launch, if you're starting from zero, nobody cares about you, unfortunately. Like literally nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Um, So you think that you put this product people think that putting a product out in the world is the hard part it's absolutely not the hard part it's It's the easiest part the hardest part is here's a product in the world now getting people to care about it um you can think it's the best product in the world it can be the best product in the world you have to figure out a way for somebody to care um and like i think that's and it really like people see people with these like huge social followings and they think okay like if i have a cool like if my website looks cool and my and I have like a cool looking product, people will follow it. And it's like really and you're not, like not Jin the case. Lin to design mm-hmm. your brand. Yeah, if I spent thirty thousand dollars on a branding agency and like the people will come, and it's totally not the case. It's totally a slow burn. It's totally having a ton. I, I saw some stat that it's it takes seven touch points for someone to buy something, but I honestly think it's more. I think we emphasized we were like, oh, we're not going to post on the Instagram till it launches because it's going to be a waste of time because 
why are we posting stuff before you can sell it? But it's like, at the end of the day, those first nine posts are so long ago at this point, nobody cared about them. Like, why did we wait to hide them rather than build like while we were not focused on like replying to customer service emails why weren't we building Mm -hmm. like when your one job can be building building a community why not build that um, while you can what are some key insights that you've learned in this process of building community that cares about 4am skin like outside of you both as you know these like public founders I think people are really resonating with the message behind the brand. Mm -hmm. I think people find it really refreshing. And we really live our truth, if that makes sense. And so one thing that we do is we throw a lot of events in New Mm -hmm. York. There are a lot of parties. And I think I really realized we had a community on our like fourth or fifth event where someone was like, oh my God, I saw you at the last 4am party. And like they became friends just because they were both at the 4am party. And I thought that was so cool that I was like, okay, we're actually bringing people together under this like similar messaging of you can have fun you can go out we can all be unwell together basically and I think having such a strong kind of guiding tenant to like what the brand stands for and then really actually living it and then activating events or community events where we all like meet in person and and have fun together has been our kind of special sauce to actually creating a community that cares about the brand and each other. I actually had a friend of mine who is doing something very similar in that in the strategy sense. He's building a mezcal brand and he's he's Italian, but he lives in Mexico City and he throws these insane parties. And they're not just a one night party. It's like you go you go for three days, you bring all the outfits and they serve his brand, his mezcal brands, open bar. And then at the end, you have this, you know, this global network of people that love the brand, love the music that that he puts out on behalf of the Mezcal brand. To me, I think as a young brand, especially in the consumer world, there's so much competition in every single category. There's so many alternatives. There's so many cheaper alternatives. A lot of these things also require a lot of education. You know, with skincare, it's like you have to educate people. Like, why, why can you only use one serum? Like, why do you have to use the ingredients in the serum that you're putting out there to fix X? YZ problem. The same thing with mezcal. Like people in Europe don't drink mezcal. They, they'd rather order, you know, a glass of wine instead of a cocktail. So it's like at the end of the day, you know, like the education part also has to be uh, to a certain extent, it seems like has to also be part of the community building exercise too. It's like, okay, well, we're, we're aligning under these values. And like, we also understand like the benefits of this. And then like, you kind of, you know, these people evangelize the brand and especially for Gen Z, a lot of this generation wants to be able to align with a brand that they truly feel like they're a part of or that they mm-hmm. can stand by in terms of like the messaging and, and everything around that. It's I feel like it's less so about like an individual product, but like, okay, am I a part of this world that 4am is building? And I think, like you said, like having the whole thing around your friend's mezcal brand of like, here's the vibe of the music and here's the, you know, the parties and the events. And these are the types of people that come to you know, our events and things like that, and that you can connect with and, and be a part of, I think so many, so many brands are now extending out past just what they sell of and more so making, okay, here's the world of 4am that you're kind of buying into when you do buy a product. And I think that's the special sauce of how do you make something cool? That was something at Mm -hmm. the beginning that Jade and I always went back and forth on was how do you make a brand cool? What is cool? And really, we wanted to create something that was very effortless 
we weren't really trying too hard to make it cool because then it's not cool at all if you're trying too hard to make it cool but really creating this world that people wanted to be associated with and I think that's also why we've gotten so much earned media and just organic viral buzz was we're trying to build this cool factor around what it means to be a part of Mm 4am those are all like really good nuggets I love that I want to also talk about your view on raising money because like this issue of raising VC money, especially as a consumer brand, you know, there's been a lot of discourse and discussion on both ends of like why it's good or bad. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts as like a young brand. Like what's your view on raising money from VC? I think a lot of people raise too much money. And I would say we've raised basically nothing. We have a couple angel investors and it's not because we didn't want to raise at one point. Like at one, like I remember when we first started, we wanted to be able to raise with a deck that was the goal, right? Because that's mm-hmm. just ha- what we thought that was how things were done. We wanted to follow the Glossier yeah. model. Yeah, and I think the timing was off. It was right when COVID happened. We were also first-time founders. And so I think it was, we couldn't, basically, we were not able to raise off of just a deck. People were like, okay, make a minimum viable mm-hmm. product and come back to us. And so as a result, we've been super lean as a brand. And I think most people are surprised when they're like, oh, like, do you want to sponsor this thing? It's like 4000 dollars i'm like no like i would never do that um actually i would actually absolutely (laughs) never do um um (laughs) thanks but no thanks because they think that and i think we've managed because because we've just been there's like such a such a dichotomy especially in direct-to-consumer brands more so than in tech or whatever is they're like brands, they're like the VC brands, and then there's the bootstrap mm-hmm. brands. And I think it's like literally a completely different method of growing. And I think they're both have, they're both hard. Like, I think we looked at to like VC brands and they're like, oh my God, what we would do with all that money. But I also think there's difficulties that we just don't see in that kind of world as well of, okay, you have people breathing down your necks being like, why aren't you doing this? Blah, 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 blah. And making them maybe do the mistakes that, has been like pitfalls of a lot of things but at the same time I think we've struggled with keeping inventory in stock and things and like these growing pains that would never be the case had we have like more money and I think there will eventually be a point so I think it's good and it's bad I think what there has been a learning of is like you don't need 20 million dollars to make a direct-to-consumer brand that's for sure I think that I personally think there's some future actually in this is like off the cuff but I would love in the future to throw if if I had this sort of capital to be like give 250k to like various entrepreneurs I think that is like a it's like a very small amount but I think most people are how they're getting that is like friends and family but there is not everyone has $250,000 they can ask from friends and family and I think that is like that gives people like a little bit more room um but it's Mm -hmm. it is a it's a it's a definitely an interesting space and I'm curious and I'll say we've raised less than yeah so we have less than that been able to have runway for the brand yeah so it's not necessary Um, and like we've not necessary for sure and I think because we haven't had any money really to work with we've had to hustle like it's funny the amount of people who come up to us and are like oh you guys are hustlers and I'm like at first I used to think that was like offensive in a way because they think we're paying for all these things that we beg for (laughs) like (laughs) we literally beg for and we figure out how to get it for free like that's the thing is like Jade and I just don't pay for things if you tell people you won't pay they will sometimes give it to you for free it's crazy life hack I will say that yeah Yeah, life hack like if you argue with people enough and annoy them enough (laughs) you you will become if you have no money to work with you automatically become 
a hustler. <laughs> you will bargain a lot because you don't have you don't have the money to pay. You, you just can't, can't do it. Do it. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like I, I say the story sometimes when we did our launch party. Obviously, no one knew who we were or cared mm-hmm. about us, which is why you should build a community yeah. before you launch. Mm-hmm. But um, but we went to public hotels and we were like, hey, we want to throw a launch party here. Like your bar is so cute. Whatever. What are the quotes? What's the price? Whatever. It was a very high, high mm-hmm. number. That we couldn't pay for, mm-hmm. you know, and especially for so our So we didn't launch. do our launch party there. <laughs> so we didn't do our launch party there. But, you know, a year later after building the brand, building the community, and then doing other things for free at other venues that had been successful, they came to us and said, hey, do you guys want to throw a party for Fashion Week and take over our, our little concept store for the week of Fashion Week? And it, it did so well that it actually ended up ended extending us past Fashion Week to keep our pop-up there, which was amazing but it really I think is just a a testament to the fact that we did have to hustle for some things before have a proven Mm -hmm. track record of okay we can bring people out Mm -hmm. to things and have a community that will actually show up for the brand and then these other people you know saw value in that and it's you can provide value in two ways right social proof bringing influencers making something cool that's an event series for them or actually paying them and we've always had to go with the former because we haven't had the dollars so we have been telling all these places and things okay like you know we will bring our cool influencers we'll bring our brand we'll do this we'll work hard we will hustle and make something Mm -hmm. cool for you because we just haven't been able to be like okay we'll we'll throw a blowout party for like I don't know 100k or something like that because we just don't have right, the funds right, right. to do it that's so cool I think it's it's cool to see when people are actually very resourceful and it's not just like you're gonna ask someone or like you raise money and you just pay for everything and it's actually probably more I don't want to say gratifying but it probably earns you like more respect if you just kind of hustle your way through and you're like you know you figure it out along the way versus just paying for everything well we yeah. currently feel very vindicated by uh not the downfall of VC, but like the. But I think the focus on profitability mm. and like, because I remember at the beginning, being like, well, like, you're not doing like insane revenue. Like when we were like a year in, had only done it like off the sides of our desk. Like they were like, well, why aren't you at like X number of dollars? And I'm like, and I was like, I remember looking at other brands and they were just paying for their revenue on Facebook ads. And I was like, we're not losing money. Like, so we're not losing money. Like the other brands that you're comparing us to. It's like, it's a slower growth because we're not willing to spend. Like if I wanted to spend $50,000 a day on Facebook ads and I had that, I could make our revenue numbers go up, but it wouldn't be in a way you Mm -hmm. wanted it to. I think with VC, it seems like the lesson learned is obviously with the focus on profitability, but it's also as a founder, you want to be in a strong position where you're not, you know, begging for term sheets and you're not like giving away like so much of you know what you put your blood sweat and tears into yeah just to like keep the business alive yeah I mean that was the best thing ever that I think I've said in the two years of running this thing was we had a meeting with some guy in VC the other day and and I he was just like oh what's your thought same thing on VC do you guys want to take money whatever and uh there there's been times where Jade and I have gone back and back and forth on should we raise again um to support some growth stuff that we want to do for the brand but you know I looked at him and I looked at Jade and I was like you know we could take VC money and it would accelerate our growth but we're in the place mm-hmm. that we don't have to right now and it just felt so good to be able to know that that if someone came to us with bad terms we wouldn't have to take it because you know we we've learned how to do it kind of without without them and so we're in a very strong position that if we do go to VCs um 
it, it will definitely have a more favorable round, whereas maybe in the past, um, we didn't really have much of a leg to stand mm-hmm. on with them. And how does it feel to be co-founders? How does it feel to start a business with a friend? Because I feel like that's also, it also comes with obviously a lot of pros and also some challenges. So I would love to know more about that relationship. Yeah, I think it's good because we have like very different skill sets. And like, I think the one thing that we're kind of, we're still like working on is definitely, especially at the beginning of the brand, everything goes through both of us. At some point that becomes a bottleneck of having both of us need to look at everything So trying to delegate that out and being like, okay, like you're doing this and I'm not going to look at it. Like I'm not going to double check at it. Um, Even look at it. And so obviously like, oh, can you, can I get your opinion on this? Whatever is fine. But I think trying to figure out what each of us are good at and well, we know what each of us are good at, but like also kind of giving, being able to like hand it. Yeah. And then I also think delegating to like other people as well. This is, we are so late to this, but like two weeks ago, we finally onboarded like a virtual assistant as well as like having like a part-time, someone part-time. And Mm -hmm. that is like such a help, but it's also, I feel like I kind of tell, like, I'm always like, just tell, like, give it to them and let them do it and trying not to like over, over explain, explain, just kind of let them do it a lot of people ask like emotionally I guess how it is doing a business with a friend there's like two things that I think has helped me and Jade tremendously is that from the beginning you know we told each other we're never gonna let this brand get in between our friendship because that matters way more and I think what else has kind of kept us in line here is that we both are first-time founders right we both don't know what's going on we're both just flying the plane as we're also Mm -hmm. building it right and so we realized if I made a mistake Jade would have maybe made that same mistake or if Jade makes a mistake I for sure would have made the same mistake you know and it's not about placing blame of you shouldn't have done this this is your fault No, no 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 it just okay it happened let's actually find a way together to move forward and figure out you know where to go next instead of trying to have ego in the business working relationship because there is there are so many things that like, you know, we have no idea what we're doing. You know, we're, we're just two 25 and 26 teenage girls trying to run a business. Like we have no idea what's going on. And so I think once we realize that and that not one person is better at something than the other, and just, we're trying to hold our hands through the beauty industry together and, and move forward is I think how everyone should kind of approach, like not approach business, but definitely how it's been we've been able to really just like move forward and everything just not having any ego when it comes to working with each other and also being just super upfront when something doesn't work and not feeling the need to like gloss over things it's like well you definitely don't gloss over anything <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong let's fix the problem like it's not a big deal you know yeah, yeah. we're not like curing cancer at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah like and nothing's a big deal like and i think as long as you realize that like okay let's say i'm doing something wrong with 4 a.m I'm like horrible at email. Like, okay, I'm just terrible at email. And Jade has told me a bunch of times, like I'm really horrible at email, but that's not like a slight at me as a person, right? That's just like yeah. something that I need to like work at and get better at. And and I'm, and I'm, I literally look to Jade to be like, okay, tell me like what to do to like get better. Cause like, I want to get better at this and like figure out like a system and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think when people realize, okay, if someone's trying to give you like feet, it's feedback, it's not criticism, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. Realizing that it's not, personal and it's not that 
oh my God, because I'm doing something wrong, you hate me all of a sudden. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. like, no, we're just trying to be better founders, be better operators so that we can make the business in a better place. I mean, I'm sure also the fact that you guys have gotten this kind of traction so early on has a lot to do with your relationship. I think starting any company from, you know, the ground up is really, really, really hard, especially if it's a product business. There's so many aspects to what you're doing, right? You have marketing and PR, and then you also have the actual supply chain chain and then like the logistics and you know dealing with retailers so I think there's so many moving pieces and I think having someone who you trust alongside with you in the trenches probably just emotionally and mentally makes such a huge difference which in turn you know obviously helps the business grow in the way that it has yeah I don't know how solo founders do it yeah we have some friends that are solo founders and I'm like oh my god more power to them I could not do it well to conclude the episode I always ask my guests if they have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs doing something similar what would be your advice to brand founders I think just do it I think I get so many questions of like how do you start something at the end of the day all the information is online like Google exists everything you've done has been done before to some extent and you only learn by actually executing on things and seeing if it works or not like there's been plenty of things that we try and doing like gift bags at some event like zero return like whatever it may be um you only kind of learn by trying and seeing what sticks and so I think and I'm this way for sure is like trying to think about okay how's the best way to do this or like over analyzing where like just getting things out the door is in terms of just execution is way more impactful and you'll learn from that versus anything um and I think so many people get stuck in just analysis paralysis where at the end of the day you should just get it done and see if it works and if it doesn't work try something else yeah for sure in the same vein I was gonna say like fail boldly but pivot quickly Mm. and you know really like Jade said you know try if you fail most likely no one's gonna realize that you failed you know only yourself really realizes and you only really fail if you give up and so if you just like keep going and then figure out okay this wasn't the right thing to do make a quick pivot this way and I learned from this and I'm gonna do it differently the next time in the next way And you continue to make these failures and slowly, 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 you then build something that's better, right? And if you continue to make the small adjustments and changes, you'll finally figure out what's like working. And otherwise, you'll just never, you'll never get anywhere if you just don't even try in the first place. Well, I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to see where you guys will go. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. a system and whatever Mm -hmm. and I think when people realize okay if someone's trying to give you like feet it's feedback it's not criticism if that makes sense yeah yeah. realizing that it's not personal and it's not that oh my god because I'm doing something wrong you hate me all of a sudden Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like no we're just trying to be better founders be better operators so that we can make the business in a better place I mean I'm sure also the fact that you guys have gotten this kind of traction so early on has a lot to do with your relationship I think starting any company from 
you know, the ground up is really, really, really hard, especially if it's a product business. There's so many aspects to what you're doing, right? You have marketing and PR, and then you also have the actual supply chain and then like the logistics and, you know, dealing with retailers. So I think there's so many moving pieces. And I think having someone who you trust alongside with you in the trenches, probably just emotionally and mentally makes such a huge difference, which in turn, you know, obviously helps the business grow in the way that it has. Yeah, I don't know how solo founders do it. Yeah, We have some friends that are solo founders and I'm like, oh my God, more power to them. I could not do it. Well, to conclude the episode, I always ask my guests if they have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs doing something similar. What would be your advice to brand founders? I think just do it. I think I get so many questions of like, how do you start something? At the end of the day, all the information is online. Like Google exists. Everything you've done has been done before to some extent. And you only learn by actually executing on things and seeing if it works or not. Like there's been plenty of things that we try and doing like gift bags at some event, like zero return, like whatever it may be. Um, you only kind of learn by trying and seeing what sticks. And so I think, and I'm this way for sure, is like trying to think about, okay, how's the best way to do this? Or like over analyzing where like just getting things out the door is in terms of just execution is way more impactful and you'll learn from that versus anything. Um, And I think so many people get stuck in just analysis paralysis where at the end of the day, you should just get it done and see if it works and if it doesn't work try something else yeah for sure in the same vein I was gonna say like fail boldly but pivot quickly Mm. and you know really like Jade said you know try if you fail most likely no one's gonna realize that you failed you know only yourself really realizes and you only really fail if you give up and so if you just like keep going and then figure out okay this wasn't the right thing to do make a quick pivot this way and I learned from this and I'm gonna do it differently the next time in the next way And you continue to make these failures and slowly, 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 you then build something that's better, right? And if you continue to make the small adjustments and changes, you'll finally figure out what's like working. And otherwise, you'll just never, you'll never get anywhere if you just don't even try in the first place. Well, I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to see where you guys will go. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank you.